uh, here we have eight questions uh, from last week and various other things as well. And the first one's this. Who was God talking about when he said to make humans in our image? Well, if you notice that, as we get to the opening chapters of Genesis, uh, we sometimes have God say, let us make man in our image. And another time he says, man has now become like one of us. You know, people might think that it's just the, the kind of like the Queen's royal we, you know, we are not amused. Um, well, that is one way of looking at it. But if you actually dig deep into the, uh, the Hebrew language, uh, nerd alert right now, but the, uh, the word for God in this particular part of the Bible is Elohim, which is actually a plural form of the word God. So literally it's God's. But the word for create is in the singular, ten, uh, singular. So it's like God's he created. Now, if, you, if that sort of just glossed over, you don't worry about it. We'll come back to earth in a moment. But there's interesting there that there's plurality and singularity at the same time right there. Now, what, what did that mean for us? Well, it's just a fresh reminder, I think, as Christians, as we read the Old Testament, that even there we see that God is three persons but one God. And so he does talk to himself because he's relationship. And so that makes sense there of what it means when it says humans are in our image. Question two, did the other animals in the garden also speak like the snake? Uh, it doesn't appear so. Uh, this is the only time in the Bible we have a talking animal except for one other. Can you remember which one it is? Yeah, the, the donkey, Balaam's ass, that's right. So uh, I don't know if other animals spoke, but they're the only two we know of. Question three, how long were Adam and Eve in the garden before they ate the fruit? It's another who knows. Uh, but I don't think the snake would have waited any longer than he needed to, to try and tempt them. Question four, given that Eve hadn't had children, how did she react to the curse of pain in childbirth? Well, she'd have to imagine it, wouldn't she? And uh, we don't know... That's another thing we have to speculate about. Um, although I do think in all of this that, that it's likely that, the Adam, that Adam and Eve would have, would have had a real sense of remorse, I think, as they realised that it was just such an utterly stupid thing to doubt the goodness of God. You know, it, life was as good as it can get, and yet the snake said it can get even better, and they're like, oh, well, let's go for a, an upgrade, and it was a terrible mess. And so as... Eve eventually did give birth to children and uh, as Adam had the, the toil of farming that was required of him, I'm sure that every day they would be saddened for themselves and just saddened that they had the relationship damaged with God. Question five. Does feminism come from the woman's desire to control her husband and his rule over her? Well, let me say a few things about feminism. Uh, firstly... The way that God made male and female is to be equal in significance, but to have different roles in certain circumstances. And the Bible teaches us that, the, the, that God made the husband to be the leader of the marriage, and this means that he should put the needs of his wife before his own. That's what godly leadership looks like. The true husband cares for his wife, not himself, even to the extent of dying for his wife. And the model, of course, is Jesus, who died for his church. Now, in that context, the wife is to submit to her husband and obey him, knowing that he has her best interests at hand. And when this all works, it is beautiful. That's the way it's supposed to be. It's the way God designed it. But when it works badly, it can be horrible. 
Now, because this view of marriage was originally part of the fabric of our society, many women would have had different roles, not only in marriage and in the church, but also in society. So, for example, remember there was a time when women did not vote in elections. It's kind of almost impossible to get our heads around that. And there were other ways also where men had different roles than women in society. Yeah, there were, I think there were, there were very good reasons for that that were, would reflect the way that God has made men and women. But it also meant that in our society there were times where women were treated as inferior to men, which is not Christian, because that's not the case. And so there was something wrong uh, and that's the effect of sin, of course, but the system certainly needed fixing in some ways. What's more, uh, as society moved further away from the Bible, women and men didn't know what the Bible taught about these things, didn't understand the Bible's teaching about marriage and the church and so on, and they didn't realise how it could be that men and women would be equal in God's sight but have different roles in certain circumstances. And so there was a social movement to try and have women and men treated identically in every single way. And I think that's the best way to summarise what feminism is. So to some extent, the heart of feminism is the same as the curse of the woman. Uh, You see, before the fall, before the snake and the fruit and that stuff, uh, the woman would not have had the desire to control her husband. And he would have ruled over her, but in perfect love, like Christ rules over us. But because of sin, she now wants to live out what happened with the snake. You know, she wants to be the leader of the family, make the decisions, and the, but the husband won't let that happen. And there's conflict, and we see this all here. You know, I think that it's fair to say there are there are some good things that have come from feminism, and we need to accept them and we need to embrace them. But we also need to see that. If you want to be in a marriage that follows the maker's instructions, then the very best way is to have the husband lovingly lead and to have the wife lovingly submit. And there are also impacts upon the way in which we have church order as well, which I think are important for us to recognise. And let me say, just as a postscript to this long answer to a question, uh, the husband is to act like Christ. And the husband is never to try and make a wife submit because that is where domestic violence and abuse often comes from. And if you know of anyone in this situation who is going through something with domestic abuse, if it's you or someone else, please let me know or someone you trust. Question six, much shorter answer. How long were Adam and Eve in the garden before they were expelled? Well, at least long enough for them to make clothes for themselves to cover their nakedness and for Adam to name his wife Eve. But other than that, we're not really sure, and I suspect not very long. Question seven. How is the expulsion of Adam and Eve an act of grace and not just punishment? Well, last week I said that the curses that were carried out by God on Adam, Eve and the snake showed his mercy and his grace. Because as I said last week, God could have just killed them and said, right, I said you will die, and bam, that's the end, and the Bible's really short. But instead, he made promises to them, and he said that through one of their descendants, the devil would be destroyed. And and as Christians who have sort of read the book, seen the movie, uh, we look back at the very beginning, and we recognise that the promise that's being made right there is the promise that Jesus would come along and that he would defeat death. All there in that promise in Genesis chapter 3 about crushing head snakes and things. 
But this question here, question seven, drills down a little bit further, asking how is it gracious for God to kick them out of the garden and in particular to make it that they don't live forever? Let me read again from the two verses, Genesis 3, 22, 23. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. So how is it an act of grace to kick them out of the garden so they don't live forever? Well, I think it's because they live now in a fallen world, a world where they have a relationship breakdown with God, a relationship breakdown with each other, and a relationship breakdown with the earth. Do you want to live forever like that? No. And so he cast them out so that they would have a life that would end in death, so that, I think, so that they would hunger for a life that would not end in death and so that they would have life and not just an improvement or just a length of life, but actually a life where those relationships are reconciled. Reconciliation with God, reconciliation with each other and reconciliation with the environment. And so in a strange way, it's actually a blessing that they don't live forever because then they'll have hope and trust in a time when they can. Finally, did Adam and Eve go to heaven? Well, I couldn't see somewhere in the Bible that told us whether they did or they didn't, and so it's speculation. But we do know that if someone trusts in God and repents of their sin, then they will be saved. When we flick over to the New Testament, there's a whole chapter devoted to almost an honour roll of people who trusted in God before Jesus was around. And it's Hebrews chapter 11, and there's a whole list of people. By faith, this person, and they were considered righteous. By faith, by faith, by faith. And you basically see that they all trusted in God, even though they didn't have the full picture yet. The full picture is that it's all fulfilled in Christ. And they list a whole lot of people there, famous people from the Old Testament, who are considered to be the heroes. And where does it start? It doesn't start with Adam and Eve. It starts with their kid, Abel. So why did Adam and Eve not get put there? Don't know. Are they to be considered the same as Abel, who's considered righteous in that sense? Don't know. But where did, uh, where did Abel get to know about God? Probably from his mum and dad. And I, I think in speculation, I think we can recognise that the promises that were made to Adam and to Eve showed that God had a love for them and the fact that they would have, I expect, would have repented of their sins. We don't know for certain, but it seems very likely to me, uh, but a good question. 